Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another edition of Remote Controlled, Variety's podcast about the world of television and the talent behind the screen. I'm Michael Schneider, and in this episode, Deborah Birnbaum and I sit down with Uber producer Greg Berlanti, the mastermind behind TV's biggest comic book shows, including Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow, in addition to Blindspot and a lot more. It's Remote Controlled. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, executive editor of TV at Variety. And I'm Michael Schneider, editor-at-large at Variety. And it's our pleasure to welcome Greg Berlanti, runner of all shows on television. No, hardly. Writer and producer of a very some, busy, sh- some shows. A very busy Greg Very Berlanti. busy writer producer so it's september it's yes. uh you know where we're just days away from launches some shows are already launching but but what is this time of year like for you well i always enjoy it because i think about it like a just a fan first and i can always go back to thinking of like the fall tv guide issue no offense but like when that remember the, <laughs> the, the take me, it. remember remember the one who used to come out in the fall and have all the new shows and yes, you and yes well. we do yes we're we do fond of it. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, and, and, but it just would remind me of that, you know, all the new shows. So what I, I do when pilot season comes around, I tell everybody like, I don't actually watch the pilots in a stack because I, I found that that doesn't really, I don't experience it like a person would out there in the world. Um, and so I get excited cause I, I DVR all the new shows and, uh, and so just even just as a fan, I, I sort of get excited by the launch of the new TV shows yeah. and the new season. What about as a producer? Because this is the time of year that after toiling away for, for months, yeah. uh, you know, your new new shows are coming on and old shows are coming back. And yes. it's a chance to sort of reconnect with fans and viewers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely nerve wracking and it has been more and more so over the last bunch of years just because... You're, you're, you're really, there's so much competition in the form of just everything. Every show ever made, every movie ever made. Um, you know your own TV viewing habits, you know, and so you're trying to get people to watch live and, uh, you know, to sort of figure out where your audience is. The other thing, the, the gratifying actually part of it is you have been working on these things for so long in a vacuum and suddenly you're getting a response. And the wonderful thing about television versus film or, or other mediums is, you can evolve the thing as you go. And and the response that you're getting can kind of dictate, oh, you know what? I, I didn't think that that storyline would work as well as it's connecting or vice versa, you know, or something you're more timid about, you know, and you take, hopefully you're taking risks every year and you really don't know until the audience starts to respond, um, you know, if, if stuff's paying off. So one of your new shows, I mean, one of your favorite shows, Supergirl, is having some changes this fall. It's moving to a new network. Talk about the planning that went into that. New network and new city, which is also challenging, too. So it's like there was a, a lot of newness. Um, you know, we had already, it happened very quickly. I didn't know that we were going to get that move. Pet, Mark Pedowitz called me like 
three or four days before it happened and said, I'm going to ask for Supergirl or something to that effect. And I keep it on the same time. And I was like, great. We love working with you guys. We just want to keep making the show. We, we had very specific plans about what we were going to do with season two. And so we already had a pitch available, you know. And so what happened was about two weeks after we had pitched it to CBS, we knew we were going to be on CW. We brought sort of the same pitch of what we were going to do. Um, you know, I, I think now that people have watched the first and are about to see the second episode in terms of the studio and the network, there is a, you know, it, there's an inherent fit on that network. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think there are others who probably know better than I why that is, but it certainly feels like, oh, it's kind of relaxing into itself a little bit more. And the fact that all your shows are now in Vancouver lets you play with the crossover. So we know you've got some big crossover plans for the fall. We have big crossover plans for this fall. In fact, we we have not uh, made the announcement yet. We are doing it over. So it's, it is kind of over four nights. Um, but the Supergirl portion, uh, because she's in a whole other universe, for those that keep track of that aspect of the shows, she's in a whole other universe. So, so they have to kind of go retrieve her. So that kind of happens, on, and it would be. It's also there. It's also Supergirl's winter finale, um, because the show is premiering a week later. So, a bulk of the story in that episode is still paying off stuff that's happening in the fall, and then she kind of kisses into the larger story, and she's very much an active part of all three. Uh, crossovers uh, across the three shows. We have one global threat, which uh, Mike and I talked about a, f- a few weeks ago. It is an alien invasion, actually. Uh, and it's based on, there was a run, It's uh, as, as we always do, we sort of take things that we like and we kind of make it our own. Uh, there was a run in the late 80s called Invasion! Exclamation point uh, That combined a team up and was really a crossover, a team up of a lot of great DC characters. And, and we have a lot of elements from that book uh, in, this, in these episodes. That's got to be a lot of fun in, in sort of, uh, you know, visiting some of these, uh, you know, hallmarks of fandom through the years, uh, through, uh, you know, comic book mythology and, and, you know, really give these little Easter eggs and treats to the fans. Uh, at, the, at the same time, that could also be, I'm sure, terrifying in that you, you want to you wanna do it justice, you want to pay homage to, yeah. to, you know, these, these infamous storylines. Uh, what's that like to walk that line to, to give fans something new, but at the same time, uh, you know, pay your respects and, and give them something that they, they want and know. Right. Um, it's it's nerve wracking, you know, because we always are, again, we're always trying to sort of do our version of it. And sometimes we do it successfully and sometimes we, we, we don't as much. Sometimes it's an iconic moment. Sometimes it's a character. Sometimes it's a feel. Um, of a, Sometimes it is a title that we use a title and but we still are doing our interpretation of it. Um, and that, that changes. And I think, you know, we obviously have very active and very passionate fan base for these shows because the comic books, you know, and it's we sort of say this all the time, but they they preceded us and they'll come after us, and and the characters are are bigger than us, and uh, they have a special personal importance uh, to a lot of the fans. So I think everyone, you know, you hope everybody knows we're we're trying our best to keep it interesting and exciting, but still, a lot of times make stuff fresh and 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 make it fit into the world that we're already kind of playing with um, and creating. Um, and so, you know, it's it's great. There are times where writers will put something in or visual effects people will put something in or even an editor will put something in or a director will put something in or a production designer will put in, a uh, you know, something in and I won't even get it. I won't even, it will go over my head uh, or it will be from, you know, something later in the books that I didn't even know. And they're always 
people hiding other Easter eggs that I'm not I'm not even always finding uh, that the fans will find and then you know you sort of pretend after the fact that like oh yeah yeah no I knew about that. Well, what's it like now to have four shows in in this arena, the the Berlantiverse, as right. uh, it's it's now called, but Arrowverse, DCverse, yeah, ex- <laughs> whatever we want to call it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I like Berlantiverse, uh, yeah. Um, but but uh, you know, who who talk about who plays traffic cop? Who makes sure that sort of things align to some degree? That yep. there's continuity? That uh, you know that the it all sort of makes sense across all the shows. Um, I think all the showrunners and and myself do. I mean, I'm probably the one who goes most actively from room to room just because they have other daily obligations of things they have to get done. So we talk at the beginning of the year. Um, we discuss the season-long arcs for each of the shows, character arcs. We discuss them internally. We do get together. All the showrunners kind of all sit together and talk about it. We obviously talk about it in terms of more recently in terms of these crossovers because you have each of these separate shows are, are have setups and payoffs for themselves, for each other, connective tissues sometimes we plant you know you, you want to, them to work individually and collectively to, there to be sort of a not a reward but just a great you know if you happen to watch all of them you will get other setups and payoffs perhaps there there's a real fun to that you know there's obviously challenges to it and you're making mistakes and you're figuring stuff out and editing and saying like oh we didn't set that up right we have to go back and maybe pick this up or have a shot here that that does that or you know the other thing is sometimes because it there's not a limited number of storylines, but there's, you know, you, you'll hear about a storyline that someone wants to do in this issue, in this issue, in this uh, episode, hmm. uh, uh, maybe a bad guy or a superpower or something, and you think, oh, well, that's going to be the same week that we're doing this on this other show. Um, so, so the showrunners, myself, and then the studio and the network also participate, um, and usually by the end of the whole process, there's enough editors along the way that people catch uh, people catch things, but. There's been a lot of fun to uh, be had this year in terms of how the shows speak to each other. Why do you think audiences respond so much to superheroes? What is it about them? I mean, I when I always think about it in terms of what I enjoyed about them. I mean, I I, I think a few things. One, it's the you know, it's a, it's a very unsettling time, you know, uh, and and certainly they're not unsettling. They're a real constant. So there's that. I think the blend of tones. I think you can have something that's both aspirational and then at the same time, you know, it's there, there it can be mythological and then uh, you can have stuff that's darker, stuff that's lighter. Now I think you're even sort of seeing both in TV and in, and in films, people sort of taking the whole, the genre to another level and another place so that it's, yes, it may have a character who started in a comic book, but really it's an R-rated comedy or, you know, so it's allowing people to sort of make, continue to make the storylines their own. Um, and I, I think that there was definitely um, a renaissance that was happening in the books maybe when I was a kid that now people are able to um, reproduce on film because of all the technological advancements. Um, and they're real, they're, they're, when done right, hopefully they have spectacle, but they also have heart and humor and pathos. And, and so, um, you know, it's much the way, I mean, sometimes I think about them in terms of like the way some of the great animated films today are done, you know, that they're, they, they feel both uh, how can that possibly be real but you feel so much for these characters you know um and and i think they have some similarities there 
we mentioned we talked about the crossover briefly, but uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the the challenge of uh, sort of coordinating, uh, you know, mostly these three shows and 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 doing something as as big as what you're doing. It's essentially a what what massive how many hour movie. It's like a three hour film for sure. Um, there's scheduling issues. There's um, budgetary issues. There's a lot of people working night and day right now to try and pull this off, sort of around the clock. Um, and then there's obviously storytelling issues in terms of we really do tell, we are telling this year a, a, a three-part narrative that happens over the three shows. And then you also want to make each, um, whatever you're doing sort of in that, that episode, kind of also speak to the DNA of what that show is and what makes that show great. So there's sci-fi fanciful stuff in something like Flash. Arrow happens to be falling during Arrow's 100th episode. And we think we found a real, um, for us, a really exciting way to honor the history and the tradition of Arrow that still fits in with um, all of these shows. And it was the first, you know, and it came first and it kind of helped birth all of these, um, all of these other shows. And then Legends is, is kind of its own kind of crazy wonder and it fits in really great with the third act of an alien invasion film in that regard. So, uh, but time travel is a part of that show, and, and it's a part of that episode. And and so you're you're trying to make it work on a tonal level, and then there's just the logistics of making it work. Which this is usually the time of year where everybody everybody hates me. <laughs> you know, like, and so and so you know you know that the showrunners are going to be upset because it's just so much you know on their backs. Um, and there's line producer and budgetary issues and the studio's worried that, it's, uh, you know, we're going to bankrupt the studio. And uh, but but the every time that we do it and we try and be more and more ambitious, every time we do it, when we get those finished episodes, it really feels to me like the best of what the comic books felt like. And it really feels like a mashup, you know, and, and that you get all that you can't believe that we have something like, I think, in one scene, like 18, 19 characters who are these characters across this universe in one scene together. And they're, uh, it feels, I don't know, it's, it's just, a, it, to me, it feels exactly what I used to feel when I was reading, you know, the books when I was a kid. How do you make each of the shows distinct? I mean, given that they all have different themes and different characters, how do you find the right tone for each of them? I think it really starts at the pilot, and it starts with casting, um, you know, because so many times the center character or the central, central characters of the show really evoke the emotional kind of bandwidth or, or you know, the, the lexicon of the show. So that's part of it. Also, we try and bake into the the pilots of the shows the thing that makes it, the things that make it different. So, you know, what would this show be if we took out the superpowers and we took out, you know, oh, Supergirl would have a storyline about adult sisters, adult siblings, you know, in its narrative. It would have a workplace sort of comedy. Um, Arrow has always sort of had the, uh, uh, the crime saga element and also sort of the gothic family sort of saga. Flash was a warm family feel and, and you know, you have a, a boy who really lost both his parents at a young age uh, and being taken in by this other family and that that's so many times Legends is this assembly of misfits, you know, that, you know, can they be, can they live up to their potential and so many times those, where the, all of the emotion and the best parts of those episodes are always lie in those storylines. And that's how we break the storylines first. You know, we really talk about the season. Um, we try and talk about really the psychology of the characters, you know, and, and where the evolution of them and, and we figure it that way. You've got such a great track record for casting. How is, you know, how have you found these people? You know, I always try and, for me, it's just trying to cast people who I think are going to make the thing. You know, television, sometimes you're making it at the last minute because you realize something and you have to stay up all night rewriting a script. 
and that actors inspire you. I mean, that you try and cast actors who you know are gonna make it better, you know? Um, and then you watch the, the cuts or you watch the dailies. So many times if I'm like lost on a story, I go and I just watch dailies for an hour on the shows and I get re-inspired because their performances really in- inspire you. So I would say I sort of start there. Um, and then also I have a lot of people around me who we all kind of like look at each other and if, the one thing I've really found with great pieces of casting through the years and anything I've done is it's so uniform when it's the right person. You know, if people are fighting and the studios and the group, the network and the thing, it's so, whatever it is, and it, it, it stinks because you have to still go in with sometimes with two and three people, but it's, you just hope it's gonna be so obvious. And maybe there's some idiosyncratic person's taste that's not as obvious too, but pretty much the assistants will come over to you and be like, I saw the audition tape and so-and-so so good. And, and you know, it just, people just start to, you already start to feel it at that stage. Um, and then it, it's the same thing happens when you test the pilot and people go, I love that actor, I love that actor. And you sort of, you know, you kind of, it's just, it's just another, um, ev- it's more evidence about the feeling that your instinct about what you're feeling about that performance. Well, and, and in your, your guest casting, yes. your, your uh, recurring characters, uh, you've, you've uh, had some fun. Uh, you've got yeah. uh, Linda Carter on Supergirl, yeah. for example, uh, coming on playing the president. A uh, lot, lot, of, lot of folks from the past coming back. Someone sent down, and I have this on my phone. I do actually. Somebody sent down uh, a, a video of Linda Carter teaching Melissa to twirl. To twirl. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, it's like you could I, all weekend long. I just kept watching. It. Oh, you need to share that. Uh, that is fantastic. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it for us. It's yeah. just you know, obviously there were different incarnations of these things, whether it was Wonder Woman when we were a kid or, you know, uh, uh, or something like the original Flash, you know, that, that's that been successful for us. We've enjoyed doing that. And they're always, those individuals are grateful. They always bring a certain sort of esprit de corps with them that like lifts everybody's spirits and reminds everybody just, you know, anything you can do to remind everybody that, that the, one of the reasons we're making this thing is, is just the effect it has on kids and people the rest of their life, you know? we have so many warm memories of those kind of shows and those characters from when we we're uh, a kid, you know, and, and then you, you hang on to those. Like I can still, you know, remember sitting down to watch the incredible Hulk with my dad and, you know, that lonely theme at the whistle at the beginning and, yeah. you know, and, and uh, what, you know, who was he going to wander into this week? You know, was Mr. McGee going to catch up with him? You know, all those kind yeah. of you staring know. at his own grave. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, whatever, you know, so those are always, it's a great, it always brings a, a lot to the set too. What other shows inspired you as a kid? What other shows did you love watching growing up? You know, I, I just, I watched a little bit of everything. I watched stuff with, we watched a lot of stuff as a family. So, I mean, we watched Half Hours and we watched Family Ties when I probably when I had got into high school. But we watched I watched Rockford with my dad. We would like certain shows were like me and my dad would watch together. And then uh, Six Million Dollar Man and Bionic Woman. Uh, um, I, I, I mentioned Hulk. I liked that. And then, uh, you know, I would also watch the soaps with my mom. I watched Dallas. Um, I couldn't quite get into Knots Landing, but Thursday nights I was always like, all right, there's nothing really else on. I finished my homework. Um, and, you know, and, and I would be, and I watched a lot of, when I was really young, we were just talking about this the other day, I watched a lot of the Saturday, Hanna-Barbera cartoons and things like that when I was, you know, on Saturday morning. And, and, uh, um, and one of my first jobs out here was actually as a temp for, for them, for the company. And I got to sit with with uh, Joe Barbera and Bill Hanna as they autographed old animation cells. 
and they would tell stories of, of those things. And I remember being, you know, that was that was the Super Friends, you know. So and and obviously Scooby Doo and Flintstones and all those other great things. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, talk about how some of those shows actually influenced your your first shows, your first jobs, and and sort of uh, when when you first uh, you know started writing. Right. Well, I didn't know I was really going to get. I sort of stumbled into television writing. I didn't. I I I'd studied theater in college and. Um, I, I got my first job on, on Dawson's Creek and it was sort of posthumous to like getting the, the gig that I sort of started thinking back on what shows had sort of informed me and, and uh, you know, what I would want to try my hand at and do. And, you know, in college, I really liked Picket Fences and Northern Exposure. So when I was whipping up Everwood, but I'd also really liked Family, you know, and, and some of those, uh, you know, family shows that, that were hour longs that sort of went to other places. So when I was first... Uh, creating Everwood, those were kind of on my mind. Um, and then as we got into making, you know, more and more of the, some of the action shows, um, I started thinking back a lot more to a lot of the action shows that I, you know, used to watch and not, you know, a lot of the cattle shows. And I probably watched all of them from like Riptide to, you know, just, I mean, every, you know, all the, all the crazy ones. And they always had a fun, you know, collection of characters. And, uh, and, and you, so, so I sort of, you know, and then there was the soaps that I watched, you know, with, with my mom. And, and I think probably the one of the things, when I do think about them, those, those shows, I think about the wonderment and excitement at the time, you know. Th- you know, I, I, I didn't think, I was just as excited to watch an episode of a show like that as I was to go to a movie, you know, that weekend. And they really had a reason, something that kind of always made me have to kind of watch the next week um, or pull me forward. So, and then obviously there were a lot of the, you know, uh, all the, I think uh, this, the topical nature of all of Norman Lear's half hours, I think were felt like you were part of that family that you were growing up with. Um, I was a real child of the seventies. And, and so we were all latchkey kids and you was, TV was on, it was like the, the, the fifth family member. It was on all the time. And, and, uh, and it's always ex- fun and exciting when we're in the writer's room and people sort of start talking about all the different shows. They're so old to some of the young writers that are now, <laughs> they really have that, you know, they, they'll, they'll, they'll have been watched, binge watched something from the nineties and think that they like did their homework and you're like, oh no, no, it goes way back. I know we've been talking a lot about the superhero shows, but those aren't the only kinds of shows you've been making. What other kind of shows do you want to do? Well, I mean, I, I, for me, it's always really about the characters, you know? So what's wonderful about some of the, the superhero shows we do now are really just when I'm watching some of the character scenes are really the things that are the reason, the whole reason we do them or the reason I get excited by them. So, uh, you know, I mean, and, and I've always been a part of character shows and and even though people may classify them differently i always in my head classify them based on the characters so you know there's characters from eli stone or brothers and sisters or political animals or you know dirty sexy money that are are very similar to me some of the characters and things we're doing on arrow or flash or legends or supergirl so um you know so so it's really more about you know um where some of the characters are there's uh um, we just did uh, myself and a, a TV a showrunner named Sarah Gamble, who does magicians, and um, we did an adaptation of a book, um, which I don't know if it'll get made by from uh, by for Showtime of a book called You, um, which is really was fascinating. Was a place, wait, it's a love story from the point of view of a stalker, so it's obviously like much darker than some of the other stuff. But again, mm-hmm. it's sort of a flawed guy who's just trying to you know you you find the things that you sort of connect with 
in the characters and, and the storytelling. And and we're developing a lot of fun stuff this year that uh, I think, um, you know, we are trying to even beyond just superhero shows, just continue to expand. I think um, everyone that, that I work with just to do more stuff that kind of has, especially if it's on network, I think has an eventing of, you know, to use a, a word that's probably bludgeoned to death these days, but has an eventiness to it. Um, and a spectacle to it, but still is grounded in great character stuff. You know, you're, uh, you're, you produce so many shows now and you're developing so much more. Right. You've really uh, sort of expanded your company. You're, you're, you sort of have to operate like a CEO in, right. in running this. Uh, is that tough for you? Does that take you away from writing or maybe some of the things you want to do because you, you also have to manage a, a growing empire? Yeah, I mean, for I, I still try and make sure I'm doing as much. The, the thing that... Uh, got me in the door to this whole, all of this is writing and, and story breaking and storytelling. So if I'm not doing a certain amount of that a day, I'm really not doing my job. And and it's the thing that inspires me the most and actually I think allows for all the other things. Um, it is really the, the, the probably the hardest part about uh, just about doing more is that you can't really be where the things are when things are going well, because mm-hmm. there's something, you know, um, there's there's a challenge somewhere else that you have to help out with and go fix. So that's that's the part that you don't have as many days where you're like, I got all my work done today. You know, yeah. like you really are thinking about, oh gosh, I have to call this manager back because you know this actor doesn't want to do this or that or whatever. You know, there's always there's the personality part of it is is the most challenging. But it would be it was sort of that way even when I was just doing one or two shows. Um, there were always that's always the harder part for me to be honest. It's, it's not the you know, it's, it's, and I always try and calibrate it against, you know, making sure that, that, uh, I'm still staying inspired and that I, you know, still sit down in the morning with a cup of coffee and try and write for a couple hours that when I give a writer notes, um, or I give an editor notes or I give notes, you know, uh, to an actor or on a cut or to a showrunner, you know, that I'm, that they, that I know that I'm in there doing the hard work too. Um, so I can speak from a place of, you know, that I'm still in it. Yeah, and then when uh, shows do sort of special episodes like the the crossover yes. or the musical yeah. episode yeah. Uh, uh, that you guys are planning, uh, yes. you you can kind of jump in and be a little more involved. It sounds yeah. like a little more hands on. Yeah, I mean, I think the places I focus the most are and the 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 sort of arcs for the year, and then the outset of of a, the original break on a story. If I if I if I can participate in what the story is supposed to be about, what the writer's trying to say, what the showrunner's trying to say, casting, editing. Those are sort of the places where I can the most, I think, help. Um, and then, yeah, there's always there's always every week at least one or two episodes across any of the shows, and I never know really what it's going to be that I'm I'm more intimate in, intimately involved with. Um, it helps me. It helps me stay connected to the show. Um, and no, I'm not I'm not that way on every episode of every show. I I, I just couldn't be. Um, but it also allows me a different sort of vantage point to kind of come in and, and hopefully do it in a way that's not, you know, I never want to be, um, there's a lot of people who are working every minute of every day to make that thing great. And it's really easy in this job to be destructive, you know, because you have, you know, you come in and you have, you're inspired in one moment to say blank and they're left and they're saying right. Um, and so I, I try and be helpful and, uh, and still help them interpret what it is they want to do. All right, we're going to end with one last question. Sure. Um, if you could sit in any writer's room of all of TV history, what room would you want to sit in on? Oh, my gosh. That's a great question. Um, 
Gosh, you you asked me a question that will take me a minute to think about. <laughs> That's all right. We'll cut uh, out the yeah. We'll give you some you time. You cut out, yeah, cut yeah. out the air time. <laughs> um, I would say. Uh, I mean, it's really hard because some of the shows that I loved, you know, were ended up being one person in a room typing stuff, and then there's other shows that um, had a real active kind of writers' room. I mean, I I I I. I I'm really going back to my roots. When I was a little kid, I listened to a lot. I watched all the uh, the Sid Caesar shows, and I think given having a room with Mel Brooks and Neil Simon and uh, you know uh, and and Carl Reiner and all those people, I think that that would I would probably go back to one of the first TV rooms like that, um, and, and and where so much of the stuff that we're doing the 15th iteration of now was being born. You know, um, I think those are you know. Uh, something like that very cool thanks so much for coming oh my gosh my pleasure great to see you thank you and that's it for this edition of varieties remote controlled don't forget you can subscribe to us on itunes stitcher google play or anywhere you download podcasts next time on the podcast we talk to david harbour who plays hopper on stranger things thanks for listening and we'll see you next time Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.